Let's a go. Let's a go. It's me, Mario. Yeah, you've done that a lot, haven't you? It's me, Mario. That's Luigi, actually. Yeah, that's that's the wrong one, <laughs> dude. We're here. It's to Mario pick time. Up something fucking monumental. Normally, 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 that's not a stutter. That was for emphasis. When we do a show for Garbage Game Club, we go, hey, everybody, it's Garbage Game Club. I'm Joey. This is Nick. We're going to talk about games it's like a book club. Blah, 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 And every week, we propose a new game. We don't really have a schedule. We don't let the readers know too far in advance what's going on. But goddammit, that is not true anymore because we are kicking off what we're calling Super Mario... Mario Mania. Mario Mania. Mario Mania 2020. Because Super Mario 3D All-Stars released on the Nintendo Switch last Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Was it last, it was yeah, it was last Friday. It was Thursday at 9 p.m. It was literally like a week from right now. Like seven minutes from now, it'll be a week ago. Yeah. And in this week... It has been monumental because for the first time you can play on your Nintendo Switch a remastered Mario 64 from the GameCube 1996, a remastered Mario Sunshine from the GameCube mm-hmm. in 2002, and a remastered... It's not 2002? Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. No. And you can play a remastered Mario Galaxy from the Wii 2007. Um, Sounds right. I mean, I just guessed. Um, it, says on the, it says on the opening screen, all three games, one package, $60 on your Switch. You can play all of them, big parts of history, big Mario games, some of the biggest games of all time, literally. And this episode, we're talking about Mario 64. But you know what, Nick? We're doing the fucking gambit. So this is Mario 64. Next week, it'll be Sunshine. Next week, it'll be Odyssey. Next week, it'll be... They got too many games with weird names. Next week, it'll be Galaxy. We're going to do all three in chronological order on the show every week. Be prepared. Do your homework. You have no excuse of like, oh, I need more time, teacher. Dick, I need, I need to prepare more. No, we're playing the entire collection, okay? It's just another Manic Mario Monday. And Nick, how in the hell do we add to the, the, the massive pile of conversation surrounding Mario 64. This is a game that is almost as old as we are. This game is yeah. 24 years old. I was four when it came out. I was three because I'm younger than you. And the the everyone's talked about it. People say best game of all time. People put it up there in the pantheon of video games. It's influenced most everything we've played for the last 20 years in some ways. Have you played a 3D game? It's probably been influenced by Super Mario 64 to some extent. And I think that's one of those things that's kind of the obvious thing when you want to talk about Mario 64 is just its outstanding influence in making the transition of 2D to 3D in some pretty interesting and powerful ways. Um, I mean, this is a game that... An entire controller was designed around. The N64 controller was designed for Super Mario 64, which is wild. But really, I mean, I feel like it is the perfect test case for new hardware. When you say, we need something, we need a game that is going to sell a console. We need a game. It was packaged with consoles too, right? 
We need a game to put in the box to get the people a buy-in. It's provocative. And I honestly cannot think of a better deal in gaming than Super Mario 64 plus Nintendo 64 because it truly is, I think, a revolution looking back now like what Nintendo managed to do, what your boys, Shigeru Miyamoto, creator of Mario, and your boy um, Takahashi Koizumi, you've probably seen his name a lot in the credits uh, for uh, each of these three Mario games. And of course, Satoru Iwata, uh, RIP, also appeared in the credits uh, often. And it's just, it's real good, Julie. Super Mario 64, are hot you, take. Are you, are you telling it's me real good. that we're going to come here, do three episodes on three of the most critically acclaimed games of all time and be like, hey, Nick, here's my feedback. It's really good. It is good, but I did want to see something in the year 2020 if it held up because my most recent exposure to Super Mario 64 has not been in playing the games. It has been in watching other people speedrun the game. And I think that for a lot of people in 2020, that is their most recent interaction with Super Mario 64 before this release came. And I think that having your memories of Super Mario 64 be colored by the recent rise in speedrunning has done a lot to really add weight to those rose-tinted glasses that people might be looking at Super Mario 64 through. Because, one, I still think the game is very good, but the game definitely doesn't control the way I thought it controlled. Nick, you're going for the jugular immediately. I think that you have a really interesting point. I think I think a couple things. I think that we need to have these conversations from the perspective of 2020. Yeah, That's really for important. Sure. Like, I think if you were to ask us about Mario 64 and we're chilled and we're like, this is like the best thing ever made, right? Yeah. But now we have had 24 years of game development, which obviously means that's, I think if you look at anything, something that's new is going to be better than something that's 20 years old, mm -hmm. almost across the board. Um, so I think that we're supposed to, like, that's an important perspective to have. I think that your point about speedrunning is really interesting because the last time I played Mario 64 was Mario 64 DS edition. Me I remember too. like... I had my original GS. I was like in a Macy's with my mom. I remember like playing as like Yoshi or Wario on like you, you start know, off as Yoshi, yeah. tall, tall mountain, and just like playing playing the game. And I, I had a good time playing it there. I, I was happy that I played Mario sixty four again. I think the first time I actually beat it was on DS because I don't know if I ever really beat the sixty four cartridge from Mario sixty four. I really, I truly don't know if I did or didn't. I don't think I did because I know my brother did, and I would just hop into his save because my brother did the thing where he saved in every slot so i was like i guess i'll just pick this one and play that one um it wasn't until the 64 ds that i actually completed super mario 64 yeah so and but really the all the mario 64 i've consumed has been through speedrunning, and that's a, a a mutilization of the game because no normal human plays the game like that. And yeah. I think that we've been used to seeing people play this game at such like a highly functioning level that you're like, oh, I just, you know, I do dive out rollouts, backflips, jumps, wall kicks, and everything just looks so like beautiful and elegant and smooth and perfect. Yeah, I think it's the perfect storm of playing the game, or I'm sorry, thinking about the game after having recently played Super Mario Odyssey, which is by far, I think... The way Super Mario Odyssey feels 
to move around in is what I just assumed 3D Mario has always felt like. Mm. With that combined with seeing the high level of skill of people speedrunning Super Mario 64, I think my mind conflated that, yeah, Super Mario 64 speedrunners are able to do stuff so elegantly because of how good Super Mario Odyssey is, which is incorrect. That's just not true. But I feel like that's what happened in my brain. That's what happened, and those rose-tinted glasses got real thick. I think that's a beautiful analogy, Nick. And I think that as soon as you load up Mario 64... And you play, how'd you play it? I played with a pro controller. I played with the pro, a pro controller as well. You start moving around, and then you're like... I was like, is this dropping frames? What's going on? No. <laughs> My first thought was, did they really not just add a smooth camera? <laughs> Why did we have to stick to the, to, to the Nintendo 64 four-button camera pan only at certain times situation thing? Like, could they have not done any quality of life to make this... A little bit more normalized. Cool. We're getting the real experience. We're getting the classic experience. But yeah. I'm like, dude, I forgot that I had to play with the camera like this. This is just like inherently worse than games that have fixed this problem. Okay. Then you start moving around as Mario. And it feels kind of like you remember it, but worse. Yeah. It, it feels like, oh, that bike that you never forgot how to ride is maybe a little rusted. It doesn't quite feel as smooth as you thought it did. Because Mario Odyssey, pretty smooth. It's very smooth. That, that is your last, your last checkpoint. Then go back to the to the origin. Uh-huh. The, the little the little nugget at the center of this Mario story. Even if, like two D Mario games feel great. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them do universally. But as soon as I launched into Mario sixty four, I'm like, what is my move set? How do I utilize this properly? Why does it feel like I don't have the level of control that I want? How come turning around kind of pushes me into a circle? Yeah. How come small how come small changes in elevation that feel like they should be navigable aren't? Like there's lots of like landscape and there's lots of hills that feel like you should be able to just run up, but then if you're not moving fast enough, you just slide down, which can be frustrating. The game is uh, coming. I would love to be able to come to it in a modern era without the experience of all the other Mario games that have come after it. Because I think that every Mario game has basically iterated and improved on the one before it. In movement-wise, for sure. Which means that when you go back to the beginning, there's, there's these things that you're like, yeah, this, this feels old and janky. And there's some stuff about Mario 64 that feels like old or janky um, be it like just just the graphics or some of the level design or some of the fact that there are like cheeky 2D sprites all over the place in a 3D world that like can kind of fake you if you're not paying attention and that they're actually 2D the, the, the coins like there's a lot of stuff that like looks old and dated but you're like oh this is fun and antiquated this is normal I'm playing an old video game this came out 20 years ago this isn't going to look like Death Stranding right? Right yeah but as I'm okay with the with the visuals of of Mario of old, but something about the movement it really took me a minute to put those training wheels back on. And even by the time I was done playing, I never quite felt satisfied or like I had a mastery of Mario sixty four. And maybe maybe that's because. And this might be a precursor to how I feel about the game is that I finished Mario sixty four with seventy stars. Which is 
if you're not doing any glitches, the minimum number of stars to finish the game with. That's 50 less than all categories. I, uh, than, than all of them. I got one star in TikTok Clock. I got two stars in Shifting Sands Land. I got one star in, in, in the rainbow level because oh, I was about to say how much time did you spend on the the carpet level because I hate that level with a passion yeah because it just doesn't feel good yeah I think it's I think you're t- I think you're kind of tiptoeing around it but I think it's the combination of Nintendo developers learning how to use a 3d camera for the first time in combination with Mario's struggles with geometry higher than him I think that there's this weird dilemma of the walk speed run movement in combination with moving diagonally and trying to navigate a camera at the same time that often leads to some clumsy deaths just because it doesn't move the way you should. Um, I think that in Sunshine, they quickly fix the camera solution, but in Super Mario 64, it really does feel like the first time that a company made a game in 3D. And not just 3D, but being able to navigate in 3D, and in, and doing so, uh, having a camera that is also 3D. I think it's super charming to this date, and I think one of the best uses of a diegetic camera is having the opening of Super Mario 64 begin with Alakatu holding a camera on a fishing rod. Like I think that's such smart in-world design and reasoning for what's happening and why you're seeing things the way they are. Because you got to remember, if, if you're a 2D gamer moving to third dimension, you're like, where's this camera? What's going on? But having it, having your perceptions being painted by, oh, there's a cameraman following Mario, I understand how this works. Which was now. canon in the Mario universe for a long time. Like all the, the Mario Kart games have like a lack of two following you. It's so smart because then I think that you know how some people like when they think about um, like inverted movement and inverted camera movement, they like to think about a physical analog stick that's on the back of the character's head. So if you push down on it, your character will look up. I think it's a very similar mindset where you are able to understand a third dimensional camera because you are essentially playing two characters. You are playing Mario, which you control with on the Switch, the left analog stick. And then on the right analog stick, you control the Lakitu cameraman. I think that's brilliant design. I think that's so smart and introduces people to a literal new dimension in a way that feels easy and comforting. And I think that while it might be a little bit clunky now because, you know, we don't need in-world reasoning for a third dimensional camera, I still think it's just such... It's very indicative of Nintendo of that era. Like, they're thinking about things like that, whereas companies like Rare or, you know, um, what's the company that made GoldenEye? I can't remember. Rare. That's Rare, right? Yeah. Okay. That's why I was having a hard time placing it. Um, I think that's why there is, like, just some... I feel like it's a lot harder to parse now. Um, If you were to just say, hey, baby, who's never played a 3D game before, play GoldenEye. Okay, now play Super Mario 64. Which one were you able to navigate a little bit easier? Because trying to look up and down in GoldenEye with the C buttons, miserable. Um, but I think trying to navigate the camera with in Super Mario 64, even on an N64 controller, um, a little more easy. So I do like that they kind of have that little bit of world building to help tie into a new mechanic in gameplay. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's cool. 
it just feels bad in retrospect. Oh yeah, totally. That's that's it, the thing. I don't and see. I, I don't know that it feels bad. It just feels a little clunkier and clunkier in a way that I'm not used to Mario feeling because Mario I feel like is always smooth. Like hitting those long jumps, I get a high every single time. Hitting that somersault, get a high every time. Hitting that third triple flip, very good. Why is it so hard to properly triple jump? In I think it. I think you touched on. It. I think it's the change in geometry. I think that we dev- didn't realize in the past how much the geometry actually affects how Mario lands, um, and so trying to pull off the three jump flip is miserable often. <laughs> yeah, it's like wait. I it's like multiple times I felt myself going. Did I press the button at the wrong time? There's no way that I pressed the button at the yeah. wrong time. Like, what's stopping Mario from doing a triple jump or, like, killing myself? See, that's what makes me think that there's something with this port. Because I honestly, I think this port runs at 60 FPS, mm. but it doesn't really feel like it. No. It doesn't. It feels no. like it stutters quite a bit. Or it feels like it's sub-60, which I think lends to that clumsiness in death. Um, I, yeah, I think the, the actual port of this is pretty lackluster considering that i can play 16 by 9 super mario 64 right now on my computer if i wanted to at 60 fps like in 1920 by 1080 like come on nintendo we know you're doing an emulator here but you couldn't have worked a little harder i want to shift gears a little bit shift it baby how did anyone figure out what was going on in peach's castle before the age of the internet or when games were so cryptic how so it, it feels like it oftentimes makes no sense here's a secret that's in a weird corner that's behind a painting here's here's uh oh there's a whole level that's hidden inside of a boo that's outside <laughs> um oh this level is like a water thing that's no longer a painting and it's behind a boss door like, there's, there's all this stuff in Mario 64 that feels so... Like, I know about it because I've played it before. Yeah. And I've watched people play it. And I have this memory of it. But I couldn't imagine being, like, a kid and trying to figure out exactly what... Where to do... Where to find the new level. Because if you're a level designer, the last thing you want to do is, you know, hide a level from a player who... and A level that you took forever to make. Like... Hi, hiding content seems like a very antithetical thing to a 2020 mindset but i actually don't think they're hiding things i think that there is actual smart game design in how things feel hidden but i think you naturally discover we unfortunately don't have the ability to think about that naturally we don't get to experience that progression because we know that when you're in the basement that wall that looks like just a metal wall is actually the the pathway to the shifting sands desert but the one thing that caught my eyes what happens the first time you enter the basement there's the rabbit oh it does it does some of that yes and 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 being able to capture mips and like potentially have mips jump you into shifting sands land really cool game design that's so smart because you're probably not going to catch him if it's your first time playing super mario 64 right away you're going to do the chase and then you're going to inevitably corner him in that shifting sands wall dive forward and then you're going to land inside the level so i could only imagine what uh, four-year-old nick must have lost his mind when he saw his brother accidentally dive into the wall only to be only to discover a new level. Like I think Shipping that's Shipping Sands Land was such a fucking bullshit level. I think it's great. I think it's such a fun level. 
I, such a bullshit level. I, I think Super Mario 64 is the reason why I like certain types of Mario games. It is the reason why I like Mario games that do a good job of displaying things as a what I like to call a diorama level design. Um, I like bite-sized, small experiences that are hyper-focused and say, you have this objective, you need to figure out how to achieve that objective within this tiny, confined space. I think compared to something like Super Mario 64, where it is still, I'm sorry, Sunshine, that is still objective-based, but a lot more open, I find myself getting more distracted, whereas with Super Mario 64, I'm able to own in on the design of the world and understand what, you know, this is a snow level. Cool. Got it. This is a castle floating in the sky. Got it. Like there's just some, there's a charm to the level design and how compact they are that just feels good to me. It like hits these weird sensors in my brain that I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good world design. Like I really like 64's design and Galaxy's design because I, sh- I think they share a lot of similar design sensibilities. I think worlds in sunshine might be a little bit more divorced from that diorama design that has me so drawn to stuff in Super Mario 64. Everything feels cohesive. Does it feel cohesive? I mean, it's, it's like everything just feels... Everything feels, actually, nowadays, very small. It does feel small. It feels very small. Even, like, something that I think a younger version of me had this, like, imagination, mm-hmm. which is probably, you know, also being to be a kid, of, like, how big Peach's castle is. Yeah. But now you go back and you're like, actually, the overworld in this game is very small. It's very, very small. But, but I feel like it's, very pack, small. it's packed full of content. Like when you try to discover the flying hat for the first time, you look up at the sky. It's adding more to a world that you, th- you didn't know. There's a hidden world out of sight behind the castle that I think really draws me to the castle as a hub world. I really like the castle because of, again, I think all the interactive paintings fantastic design choice i think it's so smart that there are these hidden portals throughout the castle that have players try to jump into walls because that's what mario does he jumps like i I really like that kind of tying to mechanics um but when you discover new uh like item blocks or whatever i like how it deposits you back into the castle um Whereas, like, if you were to play one of the painted worlds or whatever, it just dumps you outside the painting. But when you try to get the metal Mario hat, you try to get the flying hat, the invisible hat, you always get deposited in an area of the hub world you didn't know was tied to this hidden world, which I think is super fun. I really, really, really like that. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Fun. I wish... I feel like even when I was playing Mario, like I, I, it feels weird to me that they always broke the painting thing in the beginning. It's like you start out with all these paintings, and then it turns into like weird hidden walls or weird like yeah. metal floors or like weird... a clock. Yeah, like there's this odd inconsistency, or it's like oh look more paintings up, ah, but those paintings aren't levels. Mm-hmm. Or like also fun things where they have to like reuse paintings in other parts of the level as like wall decoration. Yeah, because, that like, that is a little bit strange. Like uh, you know why didn't you use? You can budget one more fucking bitmap. Like right? like a peach portrait maybe a mario portrait or something i don't know there's a bunch of toads toad looks really upsetting in this game i toad, really don't like the way toad looks toad's head looks like it's made from two polygons so it's like <laughs> oddly pointy like you can you can use toad's head to like go cut your steak for dinner um one thing that i after actually watching the speed run reminded me of that i completely forgot about in this game was the hundred coin star 
Oh, I took advantage of a lot of hunter coins. I completely forgot about those. And I think that's super interesting because that's not a thing that the game, I'm sure one of the toads in the castle will probably tell you. Um, but I just didn't remember that. And so I realized that I played through the entire game without getting a single 100 coin star, which is interesting because I don't think that that's particularly good design. I found myself trying to read and talk to people a lot more this time than I ever have just to see what it said. Like, what did they think this text box on this sign in the middle of nowhere should read? Like, that was the thing that really fascinated me this time, especially in the, uh, the underground lake level where it's basically a bunch of signs pointing to the maze and stuff like that. Like, I think that stuff's super fascinating for a reason I don't quite understand because I think it's because it feels like new content to me because I never read the signs when I was a kid. <laughs> so I was just like, what do they, what do they even write? What did the characters say? Yeah, I, I took advantage of a lot of Hunter Coin Stars because I know that they exist and mm -hmm. like it made certain playthroughs easier because also Hunter Coin Stars is the only time you can get two stars in a level. Yeah. So for efficiency purposes, sometimes you just, you know, red coin stars, Hunter Coin Stars, they go hand in hand, baby boy. Um, I'm never a fan. I, I, I'm seldom a fan of grab a star, get out of the level, go back into the level. Yeah. That's, I think, something that is part of the reason why. So if I'm, if I'm going to sit here and compare 64 to Banjo, which is the comparison that everyone was making at that time, and even still, like mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're so intimately interlinked. A big part of the reason why I liked Banjo, I think, was three things. One was I just think that it was a more visually interesting, fleshed-out world with fun characters. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think Banjo wins there. Two, I liked the overworld more because it felt more grandiose and like the overworld was like big or important or mattered there's progression in that hub world you know yeah where where peach's castle does really feel tiny mm -hmm. and the third one is that i can pick up multiple jiggies in a level in a place and continue playing and yeah. be in the same play space without going in and out and in and out and in and out because mario does a lot of things where like oh this version of the level is like edited to like have a boss in it or this version of the level yeah. has the cannons opener this version of the level has different coin blocks. There's somewhere. different world states that, you know, I can only access this building if I'm in this star's world state, mm -hmm. which does kind of suck. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a giant fan of that. So I think those are three of the reasons why I really like Banjo more um, when, when I dissect it. And going back into Mario, that stuff still feels bad. Some of it feels super easy. Some of it feels super hard. The hard stuff actually feels like... Uh, like, I'm not controlling the character, right? Like, some of the more platform-intensive worlds, like the Rainbow Level or, 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 you know, TikTok Clock, where it's like, oh, well, you died because Mario didn't ledge ram like he wanted to. Yeah. Or like, oh, you died because you couldn't wall jump properly because wall kicking in Mario 64 is actually incredibly difficult to do properly. It's very tough. I think general movement is just much harder. But uh, going back to the star thing, I think Odyssey really did spoil me. Because Odyssey is very much like Banjo in that you can just pick up the, what are they, moons? Yes. You can pick up the moons and just keep playing. Um, but one thing that I really like in 64 that I think they really mess up in Sunshine is tied to that world state thing. I think 64 is cool because while I might have an objective to get to the top of the castle to beat the boss, I could 
get the eight red coins. I could find the secret star if I want. I could do a hundred coins star, stuff like that. There's other things. There's other stars I can find, stumble upon by accident. Some levels are better than others. Yeah, for sure. It's not all levels are like that. But for the most part, I think a majority of them, you can kind of stumble upon stars that might not be your objective. Whereas Sunshine, it really is, you have to get this, you have to get this shine in this world state. There's incredibly few shines you can get out of order. There's no Im- improvisational shines in Sunshine, whereas I think 64 has that improv that I really like. Yeah, the ones that are unintentional in Sunshine, right? So, Also, how hard is that penguin race? I feel like that penguin race is so much harder. What? Oh, did I finish the penguin race the first time? Oh, I was like, I don't like this at all. This is miserable. No, no, the penguin race is easy. Oh, no, I hated it this did, time. Did you do speed strats for the slide? No. You didn't jump off the you didn't jump off the ledge? No, I didn't. Oh well, I mean, you know. Whatever. I I came back for, to Mario sixty four in this collection. And you know what? When I first got Mario three D All Stars, my initial thought before I even picked it up was I don't need to play sixty four. Mm-hmm. Like I was excited to play Sunshine and kind of try to get into Galaxy again. But I'm like sixty four, eh, whatever. But once I sat down, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play this game. And I'm really happy that I did. I think that there's a reason why this is an all-time great game. That being said, I think it's an all-time great game for the decade it's in. It might even be the best game of the decade. It might even be the best game between the, between the 1990 and, and 2010, even. I think that you can argue that Mario 64 is like in, in the top 10 of gaming. But I think the farther that we get away from 1996 the more that that game lives in excellence only in a nostalgic factor. And I think that's okay. I, I don't think that, you know, everything that is uh, uh, 100 out of 100 the day it's released is going to be 100 out of 100 in 25 years later. Yeah. Because things evolve and things get better and, and our tastes change and our, and our programming skills grow and, and our languages, games change. So naturally, I think that it's normal to say that like, you know what, I think Odyssey is a much better game than 64. And it should be because it's a Mario game that exists three iterations later in the series. Yeah, the people who made 64 have learned since then on how to make a better game. Yeah, so it doesn't really bother me that I come back and play 64 and go, you know what, this isn't as good as I remember it. It's really fun to look at and dissect. I think there's parts of this game that are awesome. I think it's cool of its place in history. But going back and playing it, I think that my my biggest gripe was just that it felt like maybe if I can play with Mario Odyssey style controls and physical control over Mario in a Mario 64 setting, I didn't have that jank there, then maybe I'd be like, you know what, this is still an A fucking plus game. Yeah. But it's hard to say that it's still an A plus game these days. I can think of, you know, five other games that I've played this year that I think I enjoyed more than Mario 64. I do also wonder, like, I think 64 specifically is going to be more of a product of its time than the original Super Mario Brothers, because I think that, again, this might be my nostalgia talking, but I do think that Super Mario 64 does actually play exactly the way I remember it, more so than Super Mario 64 did. And I think that Super Mario... You said the same game twice. I'm, I'm sorry, Super Mario Brothers versus Super Mario 64. I feel like people will be able to pick up and play the NES Super Mario Brother games 
and have like an instant oh i'm able to acclimate to this instantly whereas i feel like 64 takes some getting all of used the to. 2d mario games after that play very similar to mm-hmm. the nes original mario brothers and i think but like those are even older than super mario 64 so by like that same logic why is it that 64 feels a little more dated you oh, know i think that every i think that if i'm to rank mario games in the 2d world fucking new super mario brothers deluxe is the best one and then like yoshi's like yoshi's world and then you know mario brothers 3 and like the nes one like goes towards the bottom because they have gotten better yeah but that being said there's less of a distance between those games there's less variance in that 2d mario category than there is in the 3d mario category the 3d mario category just has more variance yeah oh totally and i think that it is just very indicative of people getting used to a new almost a new medium um, in the third dimension. Um, so I, I think that's super interesting. I feel like 64 is going to continue to age poorly, whereas I think the 2D Mario games will only continue to retain their their luster as opposed to 64. Uh, last question before we, we wrap it up. Best level. What is the best level? What is your favorite level? I, I'll go first if, while you think of, think of yours. Womp's Fortress. You like Womp's Fortress. Why? I think so. I think Swamp's Fortress is like the. Oh, talking to the mic, by the way. You're like talking away from it. I think Swamp's Fortress has the. the, It's one of the more compact levels. They're all very small. Um, But it's really interesting to just see. I think you can have more fun in that level because of movement. I think that, that the compactness and like the way the level geometry is allows you to actually use some strats that that uh have good movement you can get a lot of stars without necessarily needing to do them the intended way because of cool cool movement um so, so yeah I, it's probably womp's fortress i think if i had to pick a follow up it would probably be um like tiny big island maybe because i think it's really cool to be able to i think like for that point in time that level was really cool and still is really cool to like you know shift mario's perspective relative to the island have two different entry points so it's one of those two i think wands fortress is like the the more classical canonical level i i i think my favorite level the one level i was excited to return to because it was my favorite level as a kid was the tiny big island or whatever um and it was still so much fun i love the idea of like the if x then y type scenario of like oh if you're a giant then you have to stomp on the volcano and then you have to become small again and then go inside to fight the boss i like that kind of um i like triggering stuff like that in games so that i think that level is really fun to do that in also you can surf on the koopa why why can't you surf on the koopa in any other mario game i love the koopa the koopa shell surfing in this one they've taken it out of every single 3d mario game hmm it's one of the most fun things in the world. It's pure, unadulterated joy. I really like Tiny Big Island, but I also really like the... I forget the name of it, but the one with the giant mushrooms that's on a mountain. That's Tall Town Mountain. Tall Town Mountain. I like Tall Town Mountain quite a bit, too, because I think it is very similar to Womp's Fortress and its verticality, but I also like the, the trickiness of the platforming that's in that one because there's a lot of kill zones. But, man, Dire Dire Docks, fucking... Banger of a soundtrack. Great soundtrack. I forgot how much I love the Dire Dire Dock song. I think the entire soundtrack is really good. Mario 64 is the best soundtrack. I've played all the games. Mario 64 is the best soundtrack. It's the best. It's the best one. And it's weird, though, looking back now, again, looking at this in 2020, it's so, like, 
hearing the Bob-omb Battlefield theme, I'm, I'm expecting Eminem to start rapping immediately after the song like really picks into gear. Like I feel like all of Super Mario 64 music has been so remixed in an online era that I have a hard time divorcing it from that like fan mix version. So it's just very odd to listen to the original source material now. Mario 64 is probably a game that everyone should in some way, shape, or form play because of its historical relevance, because it's still a good game. Yeah. It's just not a phenomenal game anymore. And the fact that you can play it as part of this package, whether you want to play it all the way through or just dabble in it and see, you know, maybe you're younger. Just dabble, baby. And you weren't alive when this was created. And you're like, oh, you know, I never had a 64. Like, maybe I should just play it. You should absolutely experiment with it at the very least that being Get said a stars i think that if you're objectively looking at all the games in this collection it's the worst game it's the weakest one and i think it's the weakest port out of all of them yeah the, when i loaded up my game glitched and i had like visual <laughs> effects that were broken i mean messing around with mario's face still fun in 2020 <laughs> good soundtrack good game Zero out of ten because they took out the so long gay Bowser. Stop. Um, we committed to Mario Mayhem, and we are getting I'm sorry Mario Mania. <laughs> and we're getting a lot of value out of our sixty dollars purchase of Super Mario 3D All Stars. So next week, Garbage Game Club, we're gonna fast forward in time, throw our sixty fours in the trash, grab our GameCube. Mine was silver, by the way, and uh, I had a purple one. Yeah, I know. I had a silver GameCube because it was cool. Uh, I I will be playing with Nick Mario Sunshine Super Mario uh, uh, Super Mario Sunshine the one that is I think the most hotly debated one in 2020. It's the most polarizing game in the bunch. I'm very I'm very curious. We have already played it, but I am very excited to talk about it because I have some thoughts. You have some thoughts? Oh no, that's ominous. So your homework is to just do what we did. Play all three games in like three days. It's fine. The games are actually so much shorter than I remember. When you're a kid, man, such short games really just, your mind can't process everything, I feel like. You just don't know. I've watched me speedruns and other speed strats. I don't, I don't know any speed strats. I still beat the game quick. It's because I'm MLG. But until then, go play Super Mario Sunshine. We will see you all next week. And then I'll put some sunshine music right here.